Good morning. I'm excited this morning about the love of the brethren. My, um, the receptionist at our work has a five-year-old, and because I work in such close proximity to her desk, I am a um, participant in a lot of conversations. Um, her daughter called from kindergarten and said, uh, Mommy, um, I think I need to come home. My head is beeping. <clears throat> and uh, so um, I'm not sure that uh, the mom knew what that meant, but she picked up her daughter. But as I, as I thought about the love of the brethren yesterday, um, I thought my head was beeping. And uh, I was excited. And I hope that uh, I'll understand this morning if... Um, after reviewing the love of the brethren, your head is beeping too, and not just your head, but your heart. Um, we're going to look at Hebrews 13.1. Hebrews 13.1. Michael's message two weeks ago covered this verse, and uh, we, um, we want to revisit it. Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. Michael said in his message that when he first came to Calvary Bible Chapel, he wondered how many of us were biologically related, how many of us were family, because there was such a, a um, love, uh, respect, appreciation for each other. And uh, he said that love should be our distinguishing characteristic. He quoted John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. By this... Uh, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So we want to look back again at this text and take a closer cut, take a deeper cut, a closer look at um, this love for the brethren. Noad preached last week and closed his message with the um, last word that William Booth spoke. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. And um, do you remember what that word was? Others. Others. The last word of this, um, uh, this man with such vision was others. Help me, to, help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be, help me to live for others, that I may live like thee. And so, during these last two weeks of messages, I've sensed the Lord speaking to me and saying, you know, um, the love of the brethren is very important to me, and I'd like to, to think about it for another Sunday, so, so we will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the community that we have in fellowship, in uh, assemblies. We thank you for your church, for your wisdom in creating such a body of, of believers and the mutual support that we have. And uh, speak to us today about the, um, uh, the love of, uh, of brothers and um, how to continue in that. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Three questions to answer this morning. Who are the brothers who should continue to love? Or who are my brothers whom I should keep loving? 
What does brotherly love look like? And how may I continue in brotherly love? As the, uh, as the writer of Hebrews exhorts us. Who are the brothers to continue in love? The brothers referred to here are not necessarily those with common earthly parents. In um, Hebrews 2.10, the Lord Jesus was bringing many sons to glory. So when we talk about brothers, we're talking about those who share a heavenly father. They may be blood brothers, um, natural brothers, but they are ones with um, a common heritage in God. They are sons of God. Believers are fellow heirs in Christ, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Believers are members of the household of faith. And therefore, believers are brothers in a way that we can only wish for our natural siblings, our natural brothers. Because as sons of the Heavenly Father, uh, we have this, these special um, benefits and responsibilities that we share in Christ, we can expect our trust and commitment to exceed even that of our natural affections for our natural brothers and sisters. We understand that the word brethren or brothers includes sisters. In how many Spanish speakers do we have here? Excellent, okay, excellent. I should have checked with you before, but correct me if I'm wrong. The female uh, friend in Spanish is amiga. The male friend in Spanish is amigo. And the male and female friends are amigos, okay? It seems to revert back to the masculine for that, uh, that inclusive group. We find the same in Spanish for um, brothers and sisters or siblings. They are hermanos, okay? Again, it's a masculine rendition of that. Great, I got it right. And I checked my Bible, my Spanish Bible, for, um, for that, hermanos. But more convincing still is um, in the scripture in Romans 1 and verse 7, Paul addresses all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. In verse 8, he says, uh, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So he's addressing the church in Rome. He's addressing the beloved of God, called to be saints, and he's addressing you all. And that, uh, that would include both the men and the women believers in the church. So in verse 13, he says, I do not want you to be aware, unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you. So he's, he's taking that whole church and he's addressing them as brethren. I hope this is not a stumbling block for, um, for the female believers, for the sisters in our fellowship that we address you as brethren. 
It's, uh, it's a, an inclusive term. Well, um, Paul uses the same brethren in his address to the Thessalonians as well. Uh, how does one become a brother? How do I enter into this eternal, privileged relationship to share this with others? How do I become a child of the Heavenly Father? Look at um, John chapter 1. And verse 12. But as many as received him, that is the Lord Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So to have um, sonship with God, to have brotherhood with other believers, to have this, um, this special relationship, it's a right or a privilege that God gives to those who receive Jesus, to those who believe in Jesus' name. And to believe in Jesus is simply to believe what he has revealed about himself in the Bible, about his his person, himself, and his work at Calvary. He alone is Savior. There is no other way to the Father but through him. His blood sacrifice alone paid the penalty for sin, and that in full. God's sonship comes through birth, just like natural sonship comes through birth. And so, uh, so John reveals in 113 that, uh, that we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Meaning that um, it's not of blood, it's not of heritage. I can have Christian parents, and that's no guarantee that I have any special standing with God. It's a place of privilege because I, I hear the gospel, I see um, God's truth being lived out before me, but it's no guarantee that I myself will enter this relationship having Christian parents, Christian grandparents. Nor is it of the will of the flesh. That is, we can't decide ourselves and make ourselves to be sons of God. We may uh, try really hard. We may uh, determine that we're going to be and utterly fail because this is not how uh, sons are born. Not how sons enter into relationship, but instead through birth. It's not of the will of man. That is, it's not by our parents deciding or praying or really yearning for us to come to the Lord. But instead by receiving and believing the Lord Jesus Christ. Sonship comes through faith in a crucified, buried, resurrected, living Lord Jesus. By forsaking all others, all other ways that people can try to come to God and simply trusting that Jesus took my place in death on the cross of Calvary and that his death was sufficient for me.
My desire for one here today who's not my brother is that you may become my brother. And as uh, intense and fervent as that may be, the Lord's desire is um, in an infinitely more. He desires you to come to him. Interestingly, a test for new life as a son of God is love for the brethren. We see that um, several times in the uh, epistle of 1 John. And there John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The answer to our first question then, the brothers are those who are God's children, born of God through faith in his son, the Lord Jesus. And these are the ones who are to continue in love. That includes all of us who know the Lord Jesus at Calvary Bible Chapel this morning. What does brotherly love look like? It's a love that meets needs. We see this in the Lord Jesus Christ. He provides the ultimate example for us. In uh, 1 John 3.16, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we, all, we also ought to lay down our lives for the, for the brethren. He laid down his life for us in simple obedience to his Father on the cross of Calvary. He allowed the, uh, the Roman soldiers to pierce his hands and feet with nails and then to be lifted up to bear his Father's judgment uh, in our place that we might live. In that, he has Similarly, we should lay down our lives for the brethren, not as a substitutionary sacrifice, but as um, uh, perhaps even in death, but as a life yielded to God. Whatever God wants me to do in service to my brethren, that I should do. I appreciated um, your words in the worship meeting, Noad, about being a living sacrifice. Uh, I don't have to die to be a sacrifice. I could be that living sacrifice as um, the Lord Jesus looked ahead to the cross. It was always before him. And I can, uh, can look ahead to eternity with, with the Lord and let my life be a sacrifice for others, for the brethren. He provided not only the ultimate example, but the ultimate motivation for us. In 1 John 4, 10 and 11, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also, we also ought to love one another. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And that for the satisfaction of his justice for our sins. So when the going gets tough, when uh, people are difficult to love, when I run out of energy, run out of um, motivation, the Lord, the Lord provides it. 
If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If God so forgives us for Jesus' sake, we should forgive one another. Not just the ultimate example um, in his um, motivation, but also in his mission. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Christ's mission was not to receive, but to give, not to maximize his comfort, but to relieve the suffering of others. And again, the idea of a living sacrifice that the Lord Jesus, his mission was to to lay down his life for those he loves. So what does brotherly love look like? It shows itself in commitment to Sunday morning functions of the church, Bible teaching, fellowship, worship, and prayer. We, um, we had a very short season of prayer at the end of our worship meeting, but um, Wednesday evenings, we enjoy a more extended time of, of uh, bringing needs to the Lord, setting those before him. Without this commitment, the assembly would be a loose association of disconnected individuals and families. We'd be seeking accountability and fellowship through uh, texts and emails and Facebook. Um, what, would, what kind of a life would that be? It's, um, it's doubtful that uh, Calvary Bible Chapel would continue to exist if not for the commitment of these, um, these dear brethren to Bible teaching, fellowship, prayer, and worship. Thank the Lord for committed believers. This is part of his plan. This is um, part of his uh, logic, his... Um, his instituting the church is for this accountability, this mutual fellowship, this, um, this love. And we should take opportunity to thank those who love the brethren through their sacrifice of time and energy. I just want to name a few. We thank the Lord for those who systematically teach and preach through his word, setting aside family time, and other pursuits in their preparation for this uh, weekly food, this uh, weekly feeding, spiritual feeding. Thank the Lord for those who shepherd the flock. They write the schedule. They determine um, what that teaching will involve. They counsel. They administer discipline. They patiently seek those sheep who have wandered and strayed so far away in sin. Thank the Lord for them. For those who teach Sunday school and provide nursery care, committed brethren, for those who provide nutritious um, food for breaks, we thank the Lord for those who arrange visual uh, helps and display them electronically, put our sermons online. Thank the Lord for those who account for our funds and pay the bills and uh, try to stretch things to, uh, to cover our, our real needs. 
Thank the Lord for those who give financially to the work. Sacrificially, um, we're able to fellowship with our commended workers, to encourage them, to support them, to allow them to do the work of the Lord. And for so many other activities, so many other responsibilities that um, I can't name, landscaping, purchasing supplies, um, leading and accompanying music. Um, I've, I've uh, left out more than I've, I've listed this morning. Thank you. Paul told, he wrote to the Ephesians, he said, um, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. And this, um, this expresses what, uh, what we should realize too. Thank the Lord for your faith in Jesus Christ and for your love for the brethren because, uh, because it shows. Paul's heart was moved by the, um, the faith of these Ephesian believers. He was moved by their, their love for, for the brethren what a delight it must be to the Lord to see this faith and love. What does brotherly love look like? Well, it extends beyond the chapel walls. It extends outside of our Sunday activities and flows into the week. What we've looked at primarily so far is what happens in the chapel. Anyone following Angelo's trial this past month has been amazed at the support that his family has given. They've rallied to provide real care, real encouragement to Angelo. Also amazing is the outpouring of support for that family as they minister to Angelo with uh, meals, visits to the hospital, phone calls, texts, emails. It all works to the encouragement of the family and they in turn to Angelo. Let this brotherly love continue. Other expressions of love through service and outreach are um, Ask Us and other midweek Bible studies. One-on-one -on -one meetings with those who are hurting and seeking the truth. It's a powerful outreach one-on-one, -on -one, looking, looking at the scripture. Picnics with the distribution of invitations to neighbors. Feed my sheep dinners and distribution of clothing and blankets to the homeless. Midweek hospitality in homes and restaurants. Thank you so much through the years for um, opening your home. For, for meals. Winter fellowship luncheons, when we have lunch with those whom we may not know as well as we want. We don't have to wait for winter to have these fellowship lunches. Invite people you don't know. James and John were partners with Peter in the fishing business. They they were, um, that word for partners comes from uh, the Greek uh, koinonia, which means fellowship. It wasn't a one day a week commitment that James and John made with Peter, but um, they were out there casting nets, pulling in 
the catch, um, cleaning the nets. It was a uh, it was a larger commitment than that, and I believe that's a an example of how we uh, love the brethren. We see a wonderful example of service in the Amish community in barn raising. How many know what barn raising is? Okay, very good. I have a video I'd like uh, Luke to show us. It's going to be a time lapse of a barn raising. This is, uh, this is modern, this isn't the 1800s. It was more common in the 1800s, but um, in 2014, this Amish community raised a barn. What I would like for you to notice is um, what the farmer starts with, all right? What, um, what does the farmer have? Ohio winters are pretty bleak, and so he has, a, he has to have a place for his cattle to, um, uh, to, to be in the winter. Another thing is um, watch the shadows in the, in the video and try to determine the span of time that it took to, to raise the barn. Was it um, weeks, days, hours? Luke, do you have a video for us? Looks like a bunch of ants. How many would you guess are working? How many are standing around? How many are just uh, lounging, folding their arms and looking? Now somebody announces lunch in here and everybody disappears. But they're back. How long? How long did it take? A day? Yeah, uh, 10 hours. Awesome. <laughs> no. There is power in community. Many hands, well organized and closely coordinated, can make things happen in a relatively short time. One, a uh, couple of things you didn't see in the video were man lifts and cranes. It was all manpower. There's um, power in community and there's that thrill of accomplishment, meeting needs. What did the farmer start with that day? 
just a, uh, a foundation, just a concrete uh, lower level, and he finished with a place for his machinery and his cows. That's barn raising. There's a difference between barn raising and service for the Lord. The Amish may serve under obligation, not voluntarily, but some of the men that you saw there may have been uh, involuntary laborers. They, they may be penalized by the community if they don't take, take part in the barn raising. How much sweeter to labor in love for the Lord Jesus, and uh, how much better is the quality of our, of our service when we labor for him. My, my reason for offering barn raising is because we have an equivalent at Calvary Bible Chapel through the years. It's called relocating or moving families from one house to another. Moving requires a lot of manpower. It requires good coordination and careful organization. I've been the recipient of several of these relocations, several of these moves. It's a story I've told before, but I want to tell it again with added detail that um, until 2006, Andy, John, and I lived on Dayton Avenue. Uh, we'd been there, various of us had been there for 16 years, and um, one, uh, one day, it had, actually was March 8th, we got a phone call from a stranger identifying himself from his, uh, as, his, as our landlady's brother and um, as her um, executor, he said, you need to move. You have 30 days. Actually, he'd given us more warning before that, but on March 8th, he said, you have 30 days. Clock starts. Move. In 16 years, I'd collected a lot of stuff, not junk, but stuff, and uh, had filled, uh, filled a lot of rooms with stuff, some floor to ceiling. The thought of moving even today is frightening. My worry over finding a suitable house in 30 days and moving all this stuff became overwhelming. Then, um, a week or two into the move, uh, dear brother John suffered a heart attack. And although he was able to recover fully from the heart attack, he was out. He was not, uh, no longer a part of that move. His stuff was, but not John. <laughs> I was anxious, I confess. I was at work one day, and I was so... Um, so anxious that I had to get up from my desk and walk out to my car um, because I felt my heart starting to palpitate. I was starting to feel faint, and I don't know if that's an anxiety attack, but um, I just had to leave for, for a while. I was desperate. I was um, cast on the Lord for help. I could not pack and move all the household items. The Lord must provide. 
God, in his grace, guided us to a house um, many have been to uh, on Burkhardt Avenue, close to our old place. The clock has been running, so now we have less than two weeks to move. In faith, I reserved a van, a 24-foot van, for um, moving on Saturday. I had no way to pack up all the stuff in that house. Um, there were volunteers. There were plenty of volunteers for Saturday, but how to get from uh, how to get through the week and pack all that stuff was still beyond my understanding. That week, Charlie Epps offered the young people to cancel the Friday night prayer meeting. Uh, I'm sorry, the Friday night Bible study, and they would come over and pack that energetic. Uh, that group. The Lord provided many hands that evening, packed and boxed and labeled and taped and uh, organized into neat stacks. There was chatter and laughter, but no idleness like the uh, 40 guys you saw here. There was a lot of motion, not much, uh, there was no idleness. And so I, I want to recognize that this morning that um, your labor is, um, is still appreciated. I remember it. So uh, Don's not here, neither is Sharon, but David, Marianne, thank you. Jake, Rose, thank you. Noad, Michael, I appreciate your, your labor that, uh, that Friday evening. Janyo, thank you for coming over Wednesday and Thursday to help. I was satisfied. We'd made progress. Things were packed, and they were stacked, and they were ready to move. It was, uh, it was late, and it was raining lightly. Don, I remember, uh, I wish Don were here. Don came into the garage where I was um, working, and he said, let's move. And I, I said, um, I'm really pleased. I'm really satisfied. Um, we're, we're done. We're finished. Don uh, gestured toward the manpower and the, the uh, trucks and the trailers out in the, on the street. And he said, um, think about it. Let's move. I said, OK, let's go. So out we went with a flotilla of pickup trucks and trailers. We um, we stacked everything, uh, moved everything into the new place, and by 10.30 that night, we were 80% done. Others came the next morning. I was able to cancel the rental van. I didn't even have to pay for the, for the van. And um, uh, because of the work done the, the night before, it was comparatively light work for those who, uh, who came Saturday morning. And again, thank you. Gary, Jake, Don, Noad, Howard, Lita, Dorothy, for, uh, for your work that Saturday. We got moved in. We moved out of the old place. Now we're out. But there was still cleaning to do. 
it was, it was dirty. After 16 years of bachelor living, um, the Wilsons and the Loves came over and uh, gave the, the walls a needed scrubbing uh, where there was mildew and um, made the house presentable for, for the owner. What does brotherly love look like? Well, for us, for us who are physically and spiritually able to do that kind of work, brotherly love sometimes is carrying a tape gun and labels. That's what brotherly love looks like. How may I continue loving the brethren? I see what love looks like. How may I continue? Well, love is not static. I'm not married, but I, I know um, in the marriage relationship, love is not static, and we dare not become complacent. Love grows or it stagnates. Concerning brotherly love, the Apostle Paul wrote the Thessalonians, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. You Thessalonians, you know what it is to love because God has shown you, God has taught you. So I'm not going to teach you anything new. Indeed, the Macedonians know of your love. It's like the Bay Area knowing that Calvary Bible Chapel is, has love for the brethren. Your love is known. Your love is, um, uh, is well known. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Exceed your previous love. Excel, overflow in your love for the brethren. In many ways, I realize that I really haven't loved the brethren, haven't begun to love. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus and you find yourself in this position, what can I do? Well, start where you are. Start where you are. The story is told of a physician in a large city. There was a massive explosion, and uh, he was behind a pillar or uh, some structure of the building, and he was spared. His life was spared. But all around him were the dead and dying. With all this, um, all this confusion and all the needs around, what did he do? He had his doctor bag, and he knelt down and helped the person who was at his feet. Start where you are. If... Um, if I'm wanting to love the brethren and, uh, and have not, pray and look for opportunities. They abound. Third thing I can do is to ask the leaders, ask the, um, the elders how, how I can best love the brethren. For those who have loved the brethren, keep loving. Don't be weary. Paul wrote the Galatians and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we, if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, the brethren. 
Be steadfast. Paul wrote the Corinthians, My beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be, um, be steadfast, be faithful, be, uh, be consistent, be true. Remember, for God is not unjust to forget your, your work and labor of love, which you, you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints, to the brethren, and do minister. And then finally, um, you who have loved the brethren, look to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the throne of God. The right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your church. We thank you for committed brethren who um, have a passion for worship and for Bible teaching, for fellowship and for prayer. We pray that their love would continue, that you would uh, remind us of the strength that you offer, of the um, desire that you have for such love. Those who do not know you yet as Father, we pray, Lord, that today would be the day that they receive our Lord Jesus as their Savior, that um, he or she uh, in this meeting would, um, would receive would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For those who wonder how to start, how to best love the brethren, we pray that you'd give um, uh, a knowledge of how to make things practical, how to, um, how to love and how to continue in that love. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.